You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. Go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. We are continuing our walk through the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 9 will be in verse 51 here in just a moment. I don't know if you noticed, but most of the songs that we sang this morning had a lot of I's in there. A lot of me's, a lot of I'm going to do this, or a lot of I'm going to try to focus on this. This is going to happen. And I want you to know that was very intentional. As we open this text this morning, what I want you to know is that statement that you're even going to lean in or be open to God's move is only possible because of what Jesus is going to do on the cross here in a moment that we're going to read about. As he makes his way towards Jerusalem, knowing what sacrifice is about to be made, the ability for us to lean in and even accept his sacrifice only begins at the blood of Jesus and at the foot of the cross. And so as we lean into this text, the title of my sermon this morning is Don't Look Back. And what we're going to see from the recording of Luke and from the person and the work of Jesus is that he moves forward into some very difficult moments and he doesn't look back and he's calling you and I to do the same exact thing. So as we reflect on 2023 and move into 2024 or you think about all the things that you have in your life as a family or as you know, a profession, in your job, all the things that are busy and all the things that you have to do and maybe the things that you did wrong, you can make improvements on. I want you to remember that Jesus has a high calling for you. And when difficulty comes, he's not calling you to look back and complain. Or when difficulty's ahead, he's not saying, well, let's go look back at the better days. He's calling you to press forward, but not on your own strength, but on his And he's calling you to make sure that he is always the foundation of your life. If you'll stand in honor of reading God's word with me, we're going to read from Luke chapter 9, will be verse 51 through 56. It says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And his disciples, James and John, saw it. They said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. God, we trust your word. Move our hearts to love you and love others. You may be seated. So the first thing that we're going to look at in this text is that Jesus came with purpose. Jesus came with purpose. Turn back to verse 51. It says, when the days drew near. So this this transitional phrase that Luke is using right here is giving us a clue to the greater picture, the greater narrative of Jesus' purpose, Jesus' mission. When when you read a sentence, sentence that says, when the days drew near, it should clue you in that, hey, there's a plan. There's, there's something coming. And then it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So what Jesus is 
pointing us through, pointing us to, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through Luke and this writing, is that there's a plan in place for Jesus. He didn't just come like so many thought in this form of a Messiah who was going to come as a soldier or some sort of military leader and free the, the captive Jews from their conquered Romans uh, or whatever else. He came as a servant. He came with a purpose, and he came to deliver people from the bondage of sin. And right here, when you see this phrase, when the days drew near, what you can know and what you can hopefully discern from what Jesus is about to walk through, if you know this story, is that this was probably not an easy decision. Like emotionally, think about you as a human, because Jesus is fully God and fully man at this point, right? So he's dealing with the same emotions that you and I would deal with. When you know that you have difficulty ahead, and there's something coming, and and the the, the clock is counting down, are you excited about moving forward with this thing? Oh, you know, I've got to have a hard conversation with somebody, or this thing's going to happen at work, or, uh, you know, whatever. When, when something difficult is moving closer to you, what does your anxiety and stress level do? It increases. And so I want you to think about where Jesus is in this moment. He's knowing that his life, the, the moment his life will end on this earth is coming, because he's, he knows the purpose. Now, granted, If you think about all the times we've walked through this book so far, how many times has he told the disciples who he is? Hey, the Son of Man has come to be nailed to a cross. And three days later, he will rise again. He he said it to them. They they should know who he is, but we know that they don't know. They're they're missing the picture some way, shape, or form. Even after the, the moment of the transfiguration, those three, Peter, James, and John, are still not quite understanding who this Jesus is. And yet Jesus before them is going, hey... We're going to kind of cease, the, or I'm going to cease the itinerant preaching ministry, meaning the ministry where he's going around to others and preaching, and I'm going to start heading back to Jerusalem. Now, we'll see that the itinerant preaching ministry doesn't stop, because what does he do? He equips the disciples, which is why when we say that we're a family of servant, what, missionaries? Because you've been equipped to then go be a disciple, a person who makes other disciples. That's what a missionary is. That's what, that's what a Christian is. And so he doesn't cease that ministry. He's just shifting his focus. And his focus is to do what? To become the sacrificial lamb, the payment for sins. So as the day draws near, Jesus is likely feeling a lot of tension, to say the least, right? Struggle. He knows what's coming. And he sets his face towards Jerusalem. If you continue on, it says he sends a few messengers ahead of him. To where? Samaria. Now here's what we need to know about the backstory of Samaria. The backstory of Samaria is that a lot of times what what Jews would do is they would find a way to go around Samaria to go back to Jerusalem from wherever they were. Or if they were leaving Jerusalem to go somewhere else, they would find a way, about a 40-50 mile way, I believe, around Samaria so that they didn't have to encounter these people. Because these people didn't get along. The Samaritans and the Jews were not friends. They weren't even neutral. They were pretty much enemies in all way, shape, or form. And it's just like that moment where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Oh, you've had a lot of husbands. I've seen them all. You remember this story? He could have very easily avoided that situation, but he was very intentional about going to that 
moment, in that time to experience, or for her to experience him, to have this interaction. And like, just like that moment, here's Jesus. He's making his way back to Jerusalem, and he doesn't go around it. He goes directly through Samaria, and he sends messengers ahead, knowing full and well what the Samaritans would do. So it was commonplace. If a Jew would make their way through Samaria, what a Samaritan would give them was next to nothing. It was like if you're a northerner, you ever heard about southern hospitality, right? And then you go up north and you wonder why nobody waves at you while you drive by and you go, man, they're just rude. They might not be rude. They might be rude. I don't know. I'm not a northerner, so I can't speak for them. But to us, it feels rude, right? Because when you drive down any street in the south, for the most part, you get one of these, right? Even if they don't care about you, right? They're just, hey, how you doing? I never want to talk to you. Don't tell me your name, but hey, right? And then you go to the north, and they just keep moving their grass. Then they don't even look at you half the time, right? And we think, man, they're just rude. It's deeper than that, right? The Samaritans are not just ignoring somebody. They're not just keeping a straight face. In so many ways, they're trying to push the Jews out of their area. And Jesus sends these messengers to make preparations for him. 53, it says this, but the people did not receive him. That, that's an action. That's not just a, you know, a neutral facade. And it says, because why? Because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Now, they had no idea why he was going to Jerusalem. They didn't really care, but what they knew was, you're a Jew, your people are Jews, we don't want no parts. That's the situation that they're receiving in Samaria. And then here's these two disciples, the sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee. They said, after hearing this and experiencing this, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That's like the equivalent of like, bro, do we need to go start a fight with these jokers, right? Like somebody does you a little wrong and like you're, you're about to just, you know, Nuck if you buck kind of deal, right? Like you are ready to fight. And, and what's so funny to me in this moment is that these two guys who have been walking with Jesus, they've seen Jesus' character. They kind of have an idea of who he is. They would assume that Jesus would burn them with fire because they were like, no, we're good. We don't need you here, Jesus. Have you seen that anywhere else in his character in the first nine chapters? No, no. The worst thing he's done is, hey, if you go to the people's house and you try to share the gospel with them and they don't want it, just what do you do? Just dust your feet off. That's like the worst thing that he's done to someone that these people have witnessed. But yet somehow in their core, they're going, Jesus wants them to burn, right? Not at all. I mean, they've totally missed it because why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save. Now, there's difficulty in this for some, right? The scripture tells us that the gospel is folly to those who are perishing. It's a hard thing to swallow. It can be, Jesus himself says, like it can be a stone that people can't get over. And so when we hear Jesus come to save, it's not always like petals and roses. Like Jesus came to radically shift your life. If you think you can live the life that you're living before him and just, oh, believe in him and all of a sudden live your same life, I would say that maybe you don't actually believe and know who Jesus is. Because when Jesus comes into your life, he radically changes your life. How can you be something new if you still work like you were something old? How can you all of a sudden have a new life if the way you function was still in death? And I would love to have been in that moment to see Jesus' face 
when they're like, hey, you want us to just like burn them with fire? I'm sure there was rage involved. I'm sure if you remember just a few verses earlier in chapter 9, he looks at the disciples and goes, how much longer do I have to be with you people? Right? I mean, this is again a reminder to him that they are utterly lost. They have zero clue, it feels like, of what I am going to do. Because if they had a picture of the stress that he was experiencing, he's going towards a place that he knows he's going to receive not just physical pain, emotional pain, the the stress that that would bring upon. There's going to be a moment he knows when the Father is going to release his wrath upon the Son. And Jesus is walking in this, and these dudes are talking about, can we just burn these guys alive because they didn't give us what we want? And he turns to them, walking down the road, and he says this in verse 57. He says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now this, keep in mind the context. Jesus has just gone through a city where his disciples, his group, would have gone around. And he goes into the city, receives, we'll, we'll just say, a little bit of turmoil, difficulty, Right? And then a couple of jokers respond back with something that's just highly, you know, dumb, for lack of a better word. And then he walks them patiently with them down the road, continuing to Jerusalem. And one of them steps up and says, hey man, wherever you go, I will go. It's kind of like that first song we sang, right, man? And don't you sometimes, do you ever feel like they, that ignorant? I, I feel that ignorant sometimes. Jesus, wherever you go, I'll go as long as it's easy. Because as soon as it gets hard, bro, I'm, I'm out. Can we cast some fire on somebody? This is the moment. This is what they're experiencing. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head giving them a picture of like, here's who I came to be. Here's who I am. You're thinking about security and me reigning over people with a big R? I don't even have a place to lay my head. And to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Now before we get all literal in some of these things, and some of them might be legitimately literal, but I think the heart of what's being said to Jesus is just excuses. You know what I mean? You ever talk to someone, maybe an underperforming employee, maybe a child, somebody else in your life, and you're like, hey, this didn't get done, and what do we begin to do? We make excuses. Oh, man, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. And this this is what's going on with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're a Messiah. You're great. I'll go with you anywhere. Let me go do this thing real quick first. And every time, he turns back to them. And in verse 62, he puts the the dot on the eye. He said, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow 
No one who's looking to do the work of the kingdom. And looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow is, and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. How often are we sort of lulled in our Christian life? Meaning we, we kind of go through the motions of following after Jesus. Some of you, most of you I would imagine, many of us I should say, at least in the room, are planning our Bible reading plan for 2024 right now. And statistics say the majority of, majority of people who do this, they choose that whole Bible plan. Man, Leviticus comes and they're out, right? Numbers, y'all thought Leviticus was hard. Numbers, man, that's just a bunch of numbers, right? And maybe you even make it through that. And then there's different parts of the Old Testament, even New Testament you're, you're struggling with. or You miss here and there, and all of a sudden now you've got 77 chapters to read in one day, and you're like, oh, there's always 2025. Or, or you're trying to set something else forward in your life, just like Hunter said, trying to make room, trying to make space for you to live out your, your life in Jesus. Not just through quiet times, but maybe, maybe through actions. Hey, I want to serve more. I want to get a seat at the table at church. I want to give more. I want to work on sharing the gospel. I want to practice what it means to evangelize. And we have all these great intentions, but then the busyness of life comes in. The difficulty, the Samarias of life come in, and we go, uh, we can just go around these things. And then we wake up one day, and we, we don't understand why, why we don't have the revelation or the, the, the power of the Spirit kind of pressing through and moving in our lives. And it's in so many ways because we stuck our hand to the plow. Go, Jesus, I want to do this. But I got so much other things going on. I, I've got my kids' games. I've got this at work. I've got these financial struggles. I've got all these other things in life that I, I believe that you can handle them. I just need to get rid of them first. Do you see what I'm saying? In so many ways, we are just like James and John, just going, hey man, Jesus, you want us to like call down fire and burn up all these issues? And nowhere does Jesus say, when you follow me, your life is going to be easy. He does say he gives us abundant life. He does say he gives us a peace that surpasses understanding. He says a lot of things about how we receive the difficulties around us. But he never says, man, the difficulties around you will decrease. He just talks about how you're going to handle those difficulties. And so what I would encourage each and every one of us, not just for your 2024, but for your life, is to take the advice of Jesus don't look back. Put your hand to the plow, meaning repent. To put your hand to the plow and to accept a calling from Jesus means you've got to recognize that you're a sinner and you're in need of this sacrifice that he's about to make in this moment, right? We get that. This, this, this kingdom work requires a first work, and the work is of Jesus, that he has come to give you life.
And that life is only then received if you and I repent, turn from, recognize that we're a sinner, that we've fallen from grace. We're no, no longer in this place where we're relationally in sync with God. And so because of that, we, we recognize that we need someone to reconcile us to God. And that person is God himself through Jesus. He came to be the sacrifice that you could never pay, be and the one you could never pay. And all you have to do is recognize that you need him and, and turn from all those things and say, Jesus, I'm following you. Put your hands on the plow. And then he says, let the dead bury their dead. Let somebody else tell your family. Look forward and come after me. My hope and prayer for you in 2024, in the years to come, in the way you rear your children, in the way you lead people at your job, in the way you have relationships with others, is that you will live your life in a way that explicitly states to others that you're not looking back, that you're pressing forward to the prize, to walking with Jesus. I hope that that's what you and I will do in the days moving forward. That we won't be ignorant and say, man, I'll follow you anywhere without knowing the cost that we have to take up our cross daily, keep our hands on the plow, and keep our eyes fixed forward. Let's pray. Lord, we know that You've called us to die to self and to let your spirit live through us. We recognize that in a lot of our language sometimes there's a lot of I statements, a lot of me, a lot of we statements. But more so we recognize that those statements and sentiments only have value and meaning because you first gave them meaning in the sacrifice of your son. That we can even recognize that we are in need of a savior leads us to a place of understanding that you made it possible for us to see it. That you peeled back the scales of, on our hearts and on our eyes to see the goodness of who you are. God, I pray that if there's anyone in the room this morning or anyone in earshot that is never repented and put their faith in you. And I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll, you'll draw them near. You'll allow them to see it. To see who you are. God, for those of us that have put our faith in you, Lord, would you soften our hearts to the Samarias in our lives? To the places that we might go around? To the people who when they treat us like we're not expecting to be treated, would you allow us to have the grace and mercy of your son? Instead of having thoughts of consuming someone with fire, give us thoughts and a heart that wants to see those people reconciled with you. God, give us a heart for our city, for our nation, 
and every nation in this world. Help us to become more like you every day. Help us to become less 